0: I invite you now to turn and find in your Bibles the scripture passage we will consider today from Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1, and we will be making our way to Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5. That's found on page 737 in the Pew Bibles. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. but you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in the land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed." I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations." And your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it as we consider it together this morning. Now picture this with me, with your, the eyes of faith and imagination. This man, his eyes were closed. Picture a man with his eyes closed as pure olive oil, trickled down the crown of his head, dripping down his beard upon a new set of clothes that were just put upon him. That oil was blended with the essential oils of myrrh, cane, and sweet-smelling cinnamon. And as he inhaled the strong scent of the essential oils, he probably felt emotionally uplifted and yet grounded. And as he opened his eyes, he saw his brother standing there next to him, holding now an empty horn of oil, and his brother's face wore a smile that was serious and yet radiant with joy. And behind his brother, he could see all of his kin, his brothers and sisters and uncles and all of his neighbors there watching, standing in awe. Just weeks prior, they were slaves in Egypt. And now they were a free people. The glory of the Lord God was with them behind him in the tent of meeting. And among the thousands of individuals gathered there that day from the people of Israel, He was chosen and favored by God to be their mediator, to stand in between the creator and his people. The task before him was great and glorious, but the sense of smell that came from that oil upon him reminded him that God's spirit was now upon him, with him in his task. And that's what mattered most. He was favored, he was chosen, he was not alone. The Lord God was with him. Who was that man? His name was Aaron, the brother of Moses, the first man who was appointed as high priest of God's people, Israel. And we hear about that public anointing of Aaron in chapter 8, the book Leviticus. Now, 300 years later a shepherd boy named david was anointed with the very same special sacred blend of oil that is prescribed for us in exodus and we are told in 1 samuel 16 verse 13 that after david's anointing from that day on the spirit of the lord came powerfully upon david he was anointed as king you see The anointing with precious oil symbolized God's favored presence upon a person. It meant that God had chosen both Aaron and David for a special service in God's kingdom. The oil was this outward sensory reminder of an internal spiritual reality that was taking place. That they were not alone in the task. That they had value and purpose before God and that they had the assurance of God's spirit with them to sustain them in their task the oil was that outward promise of the spirit of the lord that had come upon them to bless them and prepare them for their mission now this ancient practice of anointing with essential oils is essential to understanding the passage that is before us it is essential to understanding who jesus is and what christianity is all about what do i mean i mean that god here we find in this text he wants all peoples to be anointed with the oil of gladness and so he sent his son the anointed one who came to share his anointing with all people who are willing to receive him by faith to whom he gives the anointing of his holy spirit and so the anointed one spoken of here in this passage is jesus And he infuses, we can say, value, purpose, and hope of everlasting joy into the hearts of every person who entrusts him or herself to Jesus by faith. He gives them the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Now to see all of this, we'll consider three points from this passage before us. First of all, the anointed one. Secondly, his anointed people. And thirdly, our anointed union with him. So first of all, the anointed one. If you look in the opening line of chapter 61, we find the servant of the Lord speaking to us. He is speaking, the anointed one. He declares the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The servant is saying here that I am the anointed one, which in Hebrew is Mashiach, or we know it as Messiah. The title literally means one smeared or anointed with oil. We don't find in the New Testament that term Messiah very often. Rather, we see the Greek translation of it, which is Christos, or in English, Christ. Christ. But both Messiah and Christ mean the same thing, the anointed one. It was because of passages just like this one here in Isaiah That the Jewish people of God his people Israel longed for the arrival of the anointed one the Messiah the Christ their hope of salvation was very tangible it was personal they believed that God would send a man anointed by God himself like Aaron the priest and like David the king anointed by God And they hoped that this one would come from the line of David to deliver them from their sin and misery like a king and restore them to the glory of God like a priest. And so everyone who was reading the book of Isaiah knew that salvation would come through the Lord, from the Lord, through his Messiah, through his anointed one. Then, in what we now call the first century, Jesus was born And when he was about 30 years of age, we find that he was baptized. He was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John, who was a prophet of God. And it is recorded to us, recorded and reported to us by eyewitnesses that when Jesus was baptized and was praying, we read this, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And so you see, at his baptism, God was publicly anointing his son Jesus as the promised Messiah, the anointed one of God. And we are told that from that moment on, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, just as David went in powerfully with the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And then Luke, in his investigative journalism, tells us what happened next. And it's found in Luke chapter four, in his hometown of Nazareth, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, this chapter here, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the lord's favor then luke says he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant sat down the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him in that moment of silence and he began to say to them this today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing you see jesus used this very passage from isaiah to announce his messianic identity in his hometown, to say, I am the anointed one of the Lord of whom Isaiah is speaking here. The year of the Lord's favor is now beginning because I am here present with you. Now, did everyone believe him when he said that? No, not everyone believed him at first. Many in his hometown there in Nazareth actually rejected him. Why? We can kind of speculate and assume perhaps that it was because they grew up with Jesus and they thought that he was rather ordinary. Luke tells us that after this they said, isn't this Joseph's son? They thought they knew him. They knew him of a, as a kind and good-hearted young man, but they weren't entirely impressed with him yet. As Isaiah said back in chapter 53, by physical appearance, Jesus had no majesty or beauty to look at him. So for the people in Jesus' hometown, he seemed too ordinary, too poor, too humble to be the anointed one of God. And so they rejected him. On that very same day where Jesus read this passage in the synagogue and announced his messianic identity, Luke tells us this, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, anger, And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. They wanted to kill him. Far from believing and receiving him, they rejected him. And yet Luke tells us that from that moment onward, as he went to other towns, he went preaching good news to the poor. Binding up the brokenhearted, wherever he found them. Healing people who were dying from infections. Restoring sight to those who were born blind. Restoring to active life the bodies of paralytics. He set people free from their captivity to sin and evil spirits. And he forgave people of all their failures and sins. His hometown rejected Jesus And many other religious elites began to hate him. But that didn't stop Jesus in his mission and in his task. Because as he declared here the opening of Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God was upon him. Jesus knew who he was. He knew that the Holy Spirit was with him. And he was determined to finish his mission that he had received from God the Father. His mission as Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. Now to our second point, his anointed people. The end goal of the mission of the anointed one was to anoint his people with gladness, and we see that in the text before us. We find that especially in verse three of our passage, we read that the end goal of his mission is to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, the purpose of Jesus' anointing there in his baptism was for his people to love and serve them. This fits with the ancient practices of anointing the priests and the kings with the precious oil. Aaron, he was anointed as priest in order to present God's people beautiful in holiness to God. David was anointed as king in order to lead God's people forward in radiant righteousness. Priests and kings were anointed for the sake of bringing God's blessing to his people. And in the same way, Isaiah is saying that the anointed one's mission would be to bless God's people by sharing his own anointing with them. He would present his people as beautiful in holiness and strong in righteousness, as Isaiah says, like oak trees. And he'd bring restoration to God's people, rebuilding them, restoring their lives, putting them back together and in order again. And according to verse 6, he says of his restored people, you shall call them priest of the Lord. You shall be called priest of the Lord. The promise here is that the people of the anointed one would come to share in his anointing, his anointing of gladness, the glory of honor, and everlasting joy through the anointed one, through Christ. But how would he do this? That's found in verses eight to nine where we hear the Lord speak again the Lord says that he would do this by his justice and faithfulness, according to this everlasting covenant, this commitment he would make to his people, a covenant of grace. Now Isaiah here, he doesn't get into more details about what he's speaking of and how this would happen, but we know from chapter 53 earlier that the anointed one was going to be the suffering servant of the Lord before he was revealed as the conquering king. He came first as a sacrificial lamb before he came as the ruling lion of Judah. And as we remember Jesus, Jesus was not only anointed once, but he was anointed twice. At the outset of his ministry, he was anointed there at his baptism, anointed by the Spirit of God in gladness, preparing him for his mission. At the end of his ministry, Jesus was also anointed, with the oil of death. One week before his death on the cross, John tells us that Jesus had a dinner with some of his closest friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And John says that Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And according to Mark, Jesus then said, She has done a beautiful thing to me. She anointed my body beforehand for burial. You see, the anointed one of God is only able to share with us the anointing of his gladness, the anointing of his joy and salvation, because first he was anointed to die for us. This is how we have a share in the joy of Christ's anointing, because he was anointed to die for us in order to unite us to him in a covenant forevermore. And we get a glimpse of this in the last portion of our text this morning, which is our third point, our anointed union with Christ. In chapter 61, verse 10, to chapter 62, verse 5, we hear the voice of the anointed one speak again. And he speaks here as a bridegroom. A bridegroom preparing for the joy of his wedding, of his union with his anointed people. Look at verse 10. We find Christ describing how God prepared him for his union with his people. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest, with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You see, as Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he was dressed like a groom on his wedding day. Even though he was stripped, bare, beaten, mocked with a purple robe and a crown of thorns, Jesus was clothed in the Spirit's garments of salvation. He was covered by the Spirit's robes of righteousness. Remember how Jesus carried his cross to Golgotha, Calvary? Well, beloved, see also by faith there the Anointed One, dressed in the Holy Spirit, like a bridegroom, approaching the altar of his union with his people. There on that hill before God, in the presence of many witnesses, Jesus loved his bride his beloved people, the church. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And here in Isaiah, years before that event on the cross, when he sealed our union with God, the anointed one spoke about the joy that was set before him. He's speaking here about the joy that was set before him. We find that he greatly rejoiced in the Lord and his soul exalted in God. Why? For the joy of seeing his people sanctified, beautified like a bride dressed and crowned in the radiant glory of his own righteousness. So beloved of God, Jesus delights over you. In this world, you may be forsaken, brokenhearted, captives, mourning, or those who are with faint spirit. But according to verse 1 of chapter 62, Jesus will not keep silent about you. Like a man who loves to sing the praises of his wife, Christians, Jesus loves to speak well of you. He will not be quiet about you. According to verse 4 of chapter 62, the Lord Jesus delights in you. Why? Look at the last part of verse 5. We read this, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Jesus rejoices over you because he loves you as his own. You are precious to him. By his blood he has washed you clean from all your sin and by his spirit, He has sealed your union with him, with God, forevermore. What speaks of this to us in a tangible, visible way? Well, it is our water baptism, right? It is that outward sign of the inward spiritual reality that we have received by faith. Like the anointing oil running down Aaron's beard, which was a symbol of God's favor and presence upon him, we have received baptism in Christ we have received therefore god's presence his favor his love upon us if you believe in jesus he gives you therefore the anointing of his spirit he abides in you and he promises to give you the joy of his salvation friends this is the anointing that your heart longs for that my heart longs for to be anointed by god's spirit through jesus christ only he can give us a double portion of joy in exchange for our shame and dishonor. The year of the Lord's favor has come upon us. Today is the day of salvation, as God's word declares. And so harden not your heart to him and his love. Rather, by faith, let God's loving presence, in a sense, pour over you this morning. Pour over you like anointing oil. Do not doubt, but believe that in Jesus' name, God's spirit is upon you, that despite all your sin jesus delights over you for where your sin is great great his grace abounds greater still now beloved as those who are united to the lord and have a share in his anointing go go lay down your life in love for one another go share the good news with the poor the brokenhearted and the captives of the world Comfort those who are mourning. Share with others the good news about Jesus, the anointed one, so that others might share in the joy that we have together, the joy of his anointing gladness. May the Spirit of God enable us to do that work together by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we rejoice that in your good providence, your love, and your kindness towards us, that you sent your only Son and you anointed him as the Messiah, the Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior. And we thank you that he was willing to be anointed for death in order to give us a share in the anointing of his gladness and everlasting joy. Lord, we rejoice that we are those who have come to believe in Jesus and that is a gift from you given to us by your Holy Spirit Lord, we do ask and pray for any who might be among us today that do not know you yet. Lord, that you would pour your love upon them and open up their hearts, and that they too would receive the joy of your salvation in Christ's name. Lord, work among us and through us in this city that others might come to join in our fellowship, which is with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Loved ones, in response to God's word this morning, the good news.